The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Before we get into today's conversation, I wanted to take a minute to tell you that Eat for the Planet has partnered with Plant-Based World to launch the Eat for the Future Business Forum, which will take place during the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo June 2019 at the Javits Convention Center in New York City. The Eat for the Future Business Forum will feature panels and discussions focused on the shifting food landscape, as well as challenges and opportunities for retailers, food service providers, and brands. We already have an incredible lineup of speakers, including a number of guests I've had on my podcast, with more to be announced in the coming weeks. This event is unlike any conference out there and is a must-attend for anyone looking to expand their business in the plant-based food space. You can find a link to get your tickets in our show notes or go to eftp.co slash event to learn more and use the code EFTP at checkout to get 20% off. Looking forward to meeting all of you in person at the Eat for the Future Business Forum. Now let me tell you about today's guest who will also be at the Eat for the Future Business Forum. Chad Sarno is a plant-based chef who is on a mission to get everyone in the world to consume more plants. Throughout his career, Chad has launched six plant-based restaurants in Istanbul, Munich, London, and Belgrade. He's educated young chefs as VP of Plant-Based Wellness at Ruby Cooking School, and he served as a global health and wellness coordinator and R&D chef for Whole Foods Market. If that wasn't enough, he's also one of the creators of the popular Wicked Healthy brand, along with his brother, Chef Derek Sarno and serves as the co-founder, executive chef, and vice president of culinary for Good Catch Foods, a company on a mission to create plant-based seafood. In this engaging conversation, Chad shares how his childhood struggle with asthma led him to discover plant-based food, and we get into the story of how his career as a chef grew from there. We also discuss the exciting launch of Good Catch's premier product, a plant-based tuna that is not only nutritionally comparable to the real thing, but also shelf-stable. We also get into Good Catch's strategic investment plan and why large meat corporations are growing increasingly interested in the plant-based food industry. Chad has dedicated his career to making the most impact possible by creating delicious plant-based foods. To hear more about how he is helping change the entire landscape of the food industry, listen in. Chad Sarno, thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Chad, I know your family has a passion for cooking. Of course, I've um, had your brother on this podcast. He um, was in episode number 66, if anyone cares to go back and listen. Very interesting, entertaining, and deep conversation that we had when I was in London. Um, but uh, I think your family family's connection with cooking goes way back. And from what I've um, heard and read, uh, it kind of the seeds were sown by your, your mother and your grandmother even. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can start off with uh, your earliest memory of, of cooking. I, my earliest memory of cooking. So I used to be that, uh, so as myself, I'm the youngest and we have a middle brother, also Darren and uh, Derek, the oldest. And uh, he, uh, he always tests everybody and asks who's older, but I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he asked you. <laughs> he did. <laughs> no, but from my earliest memories, I used to, I used to be the one that would help my mom cook a lot and just kind of pull up my stool, stir the garlic and onions, you know? And, uh, and I remember, you know, I was home alone. I came home. My school was pretty close to the house. Um, it was middle school or whatever. And I came home. I was in like third grade. I don't know why I was home alone, but I came home. And I remember turning on the stove and doing what I did normally with help my mom stir the onions. Basically, turn on the stove, cut up an onion, grab some garlic out of the fridge and a knob of butter, put it in a pan, sauteed up some onions and garlic put it in a bowl and then just sat in front of cartoons and ate a big bowl of onions and garlic. <laughs> it was delicious. But my mom came home and she was like, what the hell? Why the hell is this smelling? And so I, I got in a little bit of trouble, but that's my earliest memory of cooking on my own. So, that's funny. If you, cool. if you uh, launch another restaurant, that should be kind of a signature dish. <laughs> just, uh, just a bowl of sauteed yeah, onions and, and garlic. Then, you know, some really good bread maybe. Yeah, to yeah there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's where my head is going. But, <laughs> there you um, go. Um, you know, I think you and I share something else in common. I grew up with asthma as well. Yeah. I wish I knew uh, that cutting out dairy might help me. I didn't figure that out till much later in life, and it definitely made a difference. Um, but I know that's kind of what led you to eventually exploring raw foods, and then uh, actually first giving up dairy. So maybe you know, how did that? How did you even learn about that as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I was on. I mean, I, we grew up with good food. I mean, we grew up in an Italian family and my mom's an incredible cook and she took like, uh, you know, Chinese, you know, and Cantonese cooking classes as it, when I was growing up. And so she, we had a, a lot of Italian food, a lot of sort of, you know, homemade Chinese food and things like that, Cantonese food, um, which is good. So it just, it exposed us to a lot of flavors and, and my grandma, my Italian side, my dad's side, um, totally passionate about food, incredible Italian, you know, down home Italian, you know, Boston family. Um, but, uh, you know, for my earliest years, I had, I had asthma. I was pretty stricken with inhalers most of my childhood. And, you know, I tried to play sports, but, you know, I would also have an inhalers on me and I would have asthma attacks as I was, as I was a kid and everything set it off from pollen to mm-hmm. being allergic to ant dog hair and cat hair and dust and, you know, every type of you know, pollen and dried grass. I mean, I had so many allergies based on asthma. Then mm-hmm. it all had the effect of asthma also. And um, and so I was, you know, I, it got to the point where I was also, you know, breathing off of a tank, a nebulizer every weekend, um, you know, for a, a long period of time um, in my childhood. And so I was ready to really do anything. And I was just, you know, reading some books. And at the time, I, I still racked my head around who who actually told me, I don't know if it was a friend of the family or I read it somewhere, but it was the connection between dairy and asthma. I was ready to do anything. I stopped eating dairy products. 
Um, and within six months, asthma was totally gone. Never went back to using an inhaler again. And that was uh, in my late teenage years. So um, I was around 17 or 18. And and so I stopped eating dairy products and uh, stopped, you know, you know, some people, you know, blame it. I know it might have been just childhood asthma, but mm-hmm. it had a direct effect on my health. And, and that was my first time that I actually... You know, we had gardens growing up and we had great food, um, but mm-hmm. it was still standard American diet. You know, that was the first time that I actually made that connection of the food that we consume has the effect on your health, you know. Uh-huh. And and so that opened my eyes a little bit. You know, everybody has an aha moment in mm-hmm. their life of what, you know, helped them kind of shift their lifestyle or, or diet. And that was certainly mine of of that was a you know nobody tells you when you're younger that that the food you eat affects your health like it, that connection's not there and that's what most middle america and just standard american diet you really lacks right is that making that connection and so as soon as i made that connection that piqued my interest obviously and mm-hmm. and looked into it more and you know at the time i also you know for some reason there wasn't a lot of information about I couldn't find a lot about vegan at the time. Maybe I was looking in the wrong places, but um, raw foods is what caught my eye and sort of the spiritual background of raw foods at the time. And and so that's what I started digging into reading and, you know, um, my late teenage years into my uh, uh, early 20s of, of uh, you know, Victorious and Gabriel Cousins and, you know, all of those, you know, sort of old school raw food <laughs> pioneers, you know, yeah. um, yeah, you know, so that kind of piqued my interest and I dove into that really head first and went, you know, you know, really focused on raw for a number of years and was looked at as a total freak by my family, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it was fine. I mean, that opened, opened up a lot of, uh, yeah. opened up my mind a lot about the power of food. Were you already you know? taking cooking seriously at that point in your teenage years? No, I had okay. no idea. I mean, just by default, I worked in kitchens cause that's what you do. Mm. um growing up and you know my 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 brother Derek was uh was was also interested in cooking cooking most of my life from when I can remember and so you know he worked in restaurants and all that so it's always been in our family and um but really when I was getting into raw foods I left home I left New England um and I traveled around and just kind of explore you know uh, kind of on a very exploratory path at that time mm-hmm. and diet really pushed that got um, it but. Yeah, so I guess um, in some ways you can you can <clears throat> credit or blame uh, your interest in raw foods to eventually you getting yeah. into the culinary world. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I certainly love to cook, mm-hmm. and I've always been around food and had appreciation for good food. Um, but it wasn't until the connection between health and the foods that I was consuming, I wanted to share that, mm-hmm. and so that made me dive deeper into into uh the culinary side in in those younger years and you know it's kind of one of those things in the right place at the right time um following your passion things just start snowballing and that's just kind of how it happened you know is uh um just trusting my gut instinct and and you know um you know my path snowballing from there and you know working with the right people and you know had some incredible teachers along the way we all have amazing teachers and people we look up to along the way and you know, um, I was really focused on my spiritual path at the time mm-hmm. and whatever that was, I was just kind of discovering myself more mm-hmm. than an actual spiritual path. But, um, you know, so traveling first time in my life and eating healthy first time in my life, you know, not experiencing asthma first time in my life. So it was this really opening time in my life yeah. of like 
being able to really focus of uh, okay this is this is working you know yeah. what i mean so and i feel like your early days as uh someone exploring <laughs> you can call it a career but i guess um a path um connected with food and health you i don't know if people know that you've you've traveled pretty to different parts of the world yeah. working in the food space uh, opening restaurants um how were those years like this is were these the early years you're talking about that you traveled to places like philippines and yeah yeah Turkey? i mean it, yeah in the well in the, so i when i started to make that connection um i wanted to share it with everybody right mm-hmm. so i i worked with um you know living light which was like a little raw food school at the time and um you know and and so it's it's you know i got into teaching and i wanted to share it and i was basically teaching in real time of me learning <laughs> you know of like i would it was really part of my path i would it was just a constant education for myself and i wanted to share it and i happened to be with these great teachers at the time and um and then uh just again in that right place and you know start move down to the tree of life which is uh down in arizona um i don't even know if it's still there but um that was so many years ago it feels like um that was shit that was like 20 years ago you know yeah <laughs> Um, it's 17 years ago, something like that, 18 years ago. So the tree of life and, and worked and, uh, with Gabriel a lot. And, you know, during that time I left and, um, helped with Roxanne's Roxanne's was a raw food restaurant in San Francisco years back. Um, so helped them with some of the menu development in the earlier stages, went back to the tree of life and continued teaching. And then I started doing a lot more of restaurant consulting and travels and, you know, presenting at these, you know, raw food focused events and, you know, vegan events at the time and ended up, um, ended up traveling to the Philippines and helping this place called the farm open their restaurant called 8020. And it was, you know, focused on mostly raw foods. And, and so that was an amazing experience. I was there for a few months and, um, you know, went to India and, you, you spent know. time in Kerala, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my we dad's from Kerala. <laughs> I think we talked about that. A bit. Yeah, I went there for yeah for some gatherings too. So it was pretty pretty amazing. Cochin is amazing. I like that whole area. Kerala yeah. is Did amazing. you spend time in the backwaters in in Kerala? Um, I was boat? down at uh, an ashram down there. So. I see. Okay. <laughs> now there's parts there now that become really touristy, and yeah. they'll you can go on a on a boat in the backwaters, and you basically have a, a chef on the boat yeah. who'll cook for yeah. you. And um, the flavors of the cuisine there are so different oh, for the most amazing. part. Of, they use a lot of coconut. A lot of coconut, um, a lot of, lot of fruits. You know, it's highly vegetarian, mm-hmm, you know. Yeah. Um, South Indian is my favorite. Like, I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday, about, you know, the doses and, the, you know, um, yeah. the coconut chutney is, like, one of the best things on the planet. Is yeah. That. Yeah. The, the South Indian food is... is um, it's not the food most people associate with India. They just think everything's curries, and that's mm-hmm. usually the, mm-hmm. and I guess there's spices and everything. But uh, North Indian food is more uh, meat and chicken, mm-hmm. lamb, mm-hmm. Um, and South India is mostly vegetarian. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I grew up enjoying all those foods. I was not a vegetarian. I ate meat <laughs> until about nine years mm-hmm. ago. But um, those uh, those flavors still kind of uh, are so unique, and I think. The, the the point about you traveling the world, you're not only, um, you know, experiencing and getting better as a chef, I'm sure, but you're you're also learning from those local cuisines. Oh, that's a hundred percent. That that was that's been um, really so you know sort of the the richest education that I feel I've gotten is is traveling to these different places from from the Philippines of working with local chefs that are in that kitchen and you know understanding like and seeing 
how they're actually making coconut oil from fresh coconuts and it's going down these like bamboo shoots as it pre- as it's pressed with these these giant boulders and this pulley <laughs> system and you know and then like finding these wild baby cucumbers in the jungle down there it was just really bizarre like the foods that that you know that that you experience when you're you're in different parts of the world and you know that's what i like to really try to do is when i'm when I when I am traveling is work with work with locals, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a celebration there, and you know I think that that's important for everybody to to honor as yeah. you travel, you know. So same yeah. thing with India. I mean, when I was there, I worked in the kitchen for a little bit, and it was uh, um, I mean, some of my favorite food is like idli with with uh, sambar, <laughs> sambar, <know>? so, yeah, <laughs> so good, so good. Yeah, there's a good place uh, not too far from where we are right now in Santa Monica. It's still not as good as some of the places I used to have uh, back in New York when I lived there, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no, it's great when you, when I'm kind of craving that food, which happens yeah. every now and yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. but, um, so you've mm-hmm. been focused on plant-based, I would say since the beginning, I know mm-hmm. after talking to Derek, he, he was not plant-based for the most, most mm-hmm. of his career in the food space, um, until much later on. Uh, but he kind of joked about how you were, uh, I was the hippie a, brother. You were the hippie brother <laughs> who was, who was vegan raw actually, which is like uber hippie. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell so, me about it. so these are the, you know, we're talking about these, uh, we're talking about the years, early two thousands, you know, I'm assuming late when 90s, you were yeah. late nineties, early two thousands when, uh, it was a whole different world back then compared to, oh my gosh, yeah, to where it is now. And we, we'll get to now, but, um, Maybe we can, you know, fast forward. I know you spent most of your time in restaurants mm-hmm. uh, across different parts of the world, um, but it kind of all culminated in the, I think, late two thousands when when you had this opportunity at at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that kind of come about? Because I kind of, I think, I first heard about you when you were at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, maybe I wasn't as immersed in the mm-hmm. raw food mm-hmm. world. But uh, yeah, that's why I heard about you uh, and the work that you were doing is when Whole Foods had this whole health immersion yeah, thing going on the in, the, in the last few years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, um, you know, so fast forward a number of years from when I had mentioned I went going to the Philippines, I ended up opening up some restaurants. I moved over to Turkey um, and I opened up a, a number of restaurants under the brand Saf, uh, S-A-F, um, and it was a plant-based brand. It was high raw, but it was all plant, all vegan, all plant-based. What does um, that stand for? Uh, simple, authentic food. I so, okay. um, and it also meant pure, it means pure in Turkish. So kind of like, you know, chef, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but, um, so I had some Turkish investors and moved over to Istanbul with my family and, um, um, and, you know, lived over there for a couple of years then moved to London for a couple of years and opened up some places there. And I was looking for a way to come back to the States and, and ended up, uh, ended up, you know, meeting John Mackey and hearing about this new core value that they were going to be launching called around health eating and health education. And so I was highly intrigued um, and, you know, ended up following up with them. And he, you know, made the mistake of telling me, like, maybe we can meet up one day and talk about it. And so <laughs> I, uh, I aggressively pursued that and um, just showed up in Austin and told them that I was there for another business trip. Um, and I'm like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm here. You want to meet? Which is total bullshit, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, you know, um, working for whole foods, joined the company, um, you know, to help really, you know, bring this new core value to life. Um, and it went through a number of stages when I was there. Um, 
but really we were tasked to uh, coordinate this health and medical advisory board, um, which is like all of the stars, you know, Barnard and Campbell and McDougal and Furman and all those guys in the plant-based side of things, uh, medical side. Um, so we were tasked to sort of uh, create these ambassadors internally as a company first um, and set the guidelines for this uh, this program uh, that we were going to then roll out to the public um, from an edu- education and sort of merchandising perspective um, within prepared foods and call-outs within, you know, the grocery and uh, produce and all that. Um, so we launched a number of programs, which, you know, were proven to be very successful. I mean, one of them was the total health immersion program, which is, um, um, it gave team members the opportunity to, um, go to these week long health, uh, immersions that, you know, to help them with their lower, their biometrics and kind of get their health in check and things. And, and it was highly successful and it still is still going there. Um, and then one, another program that we launched was the health eating discount card, which was, um, every team member when you're there for six months, I don't know if the, if it's changed, I haven't been there in years, but, um, you're given the opportunity to get your biometrics read. And if they're based um, off of this certain criteria, it would determine your the higher discount that you would get, higher discount this card. for employees. So, for employees. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a huge incentive for nice, people to, yeah. for one, for Whole Foods to collect data, and then also for um, for team members to get a higher discount, which was great, you know. Um, and then we offer these immersion programs that um, if they didn't qualify, they would qualify for an immersion mm-hmm. program and, and then, so the idea was to create these ambassadors and then have it uh, available within prepared foods so teamers could come back and they can, you know, have these foods that were based on the certain dietary focus. And um, so my brother came on with the company about a year later um, and he came on mostly tasked with to work with prepared foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was working with more of, at that time, I was working with more of the educators and health eating specialists that were starting to get hired in all the stores and so i did a lot of the public facing work of like recipe development and for the website and um for classes and things like that in the different regions um and then worked with my brother on a lot of the education side of things behind the house right Mm -hmm. Um, in the kitchen and with prepared foods department um i was the token vegan so nobody really listened to me which is (laughs) (laughs) i was talking to scott about this earlier and um you know, we, uh, you know, I would show up to regions and, you know, news would spread quick that I was John, John Mackey's boy that was this vegan trying to implement his, uh, his, uh, own personal philosophy in the company. And so I wasn't liked probably for the first little while or taken seriously because I didn't eat animals, which is funny, um, that I wasn't taken seriously, but my brother wasn't vegan at the time yeah. and he was taken seriously because Oh, it's so even though Derek probably five percent of his diet was animal products at mm-hmm. that time, um, um, you know they looked at him as not being the vegan. So they're like, "Oh, we can we can listen to Derek because he eats <laughs> a little bit of little bit of that," um, which is funny because we joke around about it now. And that was I don't think that would be the case now, you know. Um, yeah. um, but you know, at that time with uh, with Whole Foods, I mean, it was. It was, uh, that's where Wicked Healthy was really born too, you know, is we would work so much with team members and with these public facing events. Um, and you know, the most successful part of that program was the culinary aspect is everybody wanted to eat. Everybody wanted to eat good food at the end of the day. And if it happened to be healthy, fantastic. But if it tasted like shit, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to listen to you. You know what I mean? I mean, you could push science and 
push nutrition all you want, but if you're going to feed someone food that they're not going to be satisfied with, it's, they're not, it's not sustainable. You know what I mean? So, so to, uh, to open people's mind, it's, you know, it's all about good food. And was this when you and Derek probably started collaborating for the first time? at whole foods or did you yeah already yeah start at, i would say at whole foods i mean he mm-hmm. was at he was at um at the monastery and mm-hmm. i was uh, i just he, he needed to come out of the monastery <laughs> and uh and really you know this program that we were working on was amazing and so my boss at the time margaret wittenberg who's one of the most incredible humans on the planet she was ahead of quality standards for 30 years um at whole foods she um she met derek and immediately you know wanted him on the team and saw him as being an asset and and so Derek came out of the woods basically um in his own way and uh and joined the company and mm-hmm. and uh it was great I mean you know traveling together and starting to collaborate and mm-hmm. you know we 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 have a lot of parallels and certainly a lot of overlap but we both are we work very differently so I think yeah. that they're really compliments you know so um so we started working together and doing a lot of trainings together also so a good way to describe both of our work is um, we'll do a demo, all right? We would do these demos together, and I'm I'm very organized. I like I like to teach, and um, you know, and so I I would have like you know a bunch of me's done, me some plas done. I'll have like recipe packets, so I knew everybody would walk away with an education, and there was some takeaways. Derek would know. Derek wouldn't have a freaking clue about what he was doing until about ten minutes before. He would roll in with a bag of groceries that he just picked up really quickly. And I'd have everything meased out on trays. And then he'd just drop the bag of groceries and he'd just start cooking, you know. And <laughs> and I'd have this education piece. And so yeah. that that, that yeah, yeah. kind of describes our work a little bit. Um, uh-huh. So I help keep it best organized and, <laughs> you know, so... So no, it's fun. It's uh, it's it's really great to be able to work with, with my brother and, yeah, you know, especially since... Uh, you know the path that he's on it's we're just in alignment now you know 100% so i mean that's so cool how you both kind of ended up in the same place um uh, with sort of a similar mission um you spent most of the 2000s working in different restaurants you did you were a private chef of Woody Harrelson in yeah. between and helped with some of the most uh, famous best selling uh vegan cookbooks out there mm-hmm. uh with Chris Carr mm-hmm. and and the stuff that she's done which is, I think, the first time I started really paying attention to, to what was happening in the vegan food world. I, I may have not been vegan at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember. But um, and to see now both of you, uh, even after talking to Derek, I got this very clear idea <clears throat> that none of this was planned. It kind of just happened. It all happened. <laughs> it just unfolded. I think it goes back to when you're doing the right thing yeah. and you're passionate about something. It's no longer work. You mm. know, it's that passion just snowballs you into the right place, you know? Yeah. And so how would you kind of, um, you know, looking at up till the Whole Foods point and when Wicked Healthy started to come about as an idea, how would you both sort of describe your uh, your mission? Like, you know, you could, you could, with the skills that you have and the experience that you have, as well as Derek, you could probably be doing anything. You could open a restaurant or be consulting only and, why did you choose to to focus on Wicked Healthy? Because that I've, I've noticed is is a big focus for you guys. Of course, the the cookbook came out in twenty eighteen, and I want to get into that too. But um, yeah, how would you describe your mission? Well, it start so when we were at Whole Foods, you know, going back to um, you know, we were the only sort of 
public facing employees with the program that would work directly with customers and with team members. So we were like the point persons for this program. And people just wanted to eat good food. They didn't care about the science at the end of the day. They didn't care about nutrition at the end of the day. They just wanted to know how to eat and cook good food. And so so we wanted we started Wicked Healthy as sort of a hobby more than anything of like, let's create this blog. It's a cool name. Let's create this blog and offer resources to build a community around the culinary mm-hmm. aspects of everything we're doing, you know. And and so uh so we would do, you know, different events around Wicked Healthy and dinners and pop-ups and, you know, just kind of more of like keeping ourselves inspired from a culinary side of things. But we didn't really know, really, at that time. And, I mean, we knew that that was a path and Derek really pushed it at the time, um, which was good. Because one thing about Derek is he's extremely persistent and you know, I think both of us have some of that, but Derek's a little bit more stubborn than I am as for where he doesn't move, you know, to, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he sees a goal and he mm-hmm. runs and I tend to deviate all over the place sometimes until I come back to that. Um, but, um, you know, we had, we started this sort of online community and I don't think we had an idea of how it was going to materialize later or how, what it was going to become later. We just knew we wanted to start this company and, and offer education and inspiration. Mm-hmm. at the time so so i ended up leaving whole foods joined this company called ruby online culinary school um i launched um so plant-based uh uh certification program it's an online course and then help forks over knives launch theirs as well um so i was there derek stayed at whole foods longer than i did i think maybe a year maybe two years longer than i did um, and he continued just di- digging into all of the suppliers and he worked really closely with prepared foods and um, he was catering all the leadership events, all the leadership gatherings, um, really getting brands in front of leadership. So really we, you know, from beyond me to Daya to a number of those, you know, kind of cornerstone companies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we really help push those internally at all of these, in these prepared food departments, um, to get it covered in food service first. Um, but anyway, so then, um, you know, at the time uh, I left and I left I, when I was thinking about leaving Ruby, um, Derek had already left um, Whole Foods. He was on this sort of work sabbatical up in Oregon, you know, baking bread, you know, getting stoned and raising squirrels, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's, let's be honest, <laughs> for a good amount of time. And, he, and you know, just really focused on honing on his craft. And I was doing the same with Ruby. And and I think we just, we both wanted to do something with Wicked Healthy. And we wanted to launch some products and see how that was going to work. And, and so, you know, this goes into good catch mm-hmm. of where we are now, uh, which is extremely exciting. Um but at that time, um, you know, we kept that sort of vision of Wicked Healthy pretty clear and we started doing videos and, you know, mm-hmm. a number of cooking segments and started providing more video content online and, you know, doing a lot of recipe development at that time. And um, and how would you sort of describe, because what I've gathered from Wicked Healthy and, you know, I'm, I, I love the cookbook, um, I think, in fact, uh, the first, the introduction, the first couple of pages before it leads into the recipes, mm-hmm. how you get into explaining flavor. Mm-hmm. I think that must, that should be like, everyone should read that if mm-hmm. they want to attempt plant-based yeah. cooking that doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, because there's some very basics in there that I, 
I wish I knew and I wish I followed. Um, I'm I'm a terrible cook, but uh, I'm working on it um, because it's just so easy to to think healthy food needs that you're it's so easy to assume that it's healthy food so it must taste horrible mm-hmm. um and i think you know the fact that you came in from the raw food world that you have always approached plant-based eating with a sort of underlying uh, passion interest in health because of mm-hmm. your own mm-hmm. journey towards mm-hmm. uh with food and health uh it's easy to get lost and, and overloaded with flavor and then go in the opposite direction and i think it's you know, as we bridge this conversation into what you're doing now with, with Wicked Kitchen and, and also with, with Good Catch Foods, there's this misconception in the plant-based food world for most outsiders and sometimes even people in the in the space that um, as you start scaling up production of food um, from, you know, a home kitchen to then a restaurant and, of course, then eventually into food service, um and in and in CPG eventually, mm-hmm. what you end up doing is diminishing the quality of the food. And um, you know, as um as I've heard John Mackey and others say it too, is that in order to make the food uh to to produce the food at scale, you end up compromising on its quality uh and adding in um processed sugars and salts and additives and preservatives and gums that uh, compromise what what good plant-based food should be like. Um, so I find it interesting that your journey has taken you from crunchy, raw, hippie mm-hmm. restaurants mm-hmm. and uh, retreat centers mm-hmm. where I'm sure, you know, even oil was uh, was uh, was literally like devil liquid. <laughs> and here you are now, um, you know, with a cookbook is a good mix and I think it's a good mm-hmm. balance um, of, and I think the Wicked Healthy approach is a good balance but then as you move into now with, with with good catch and we'll get into that how do you how do you maintain that integrity uh without compromising the quality of the product so first let's sit with wicked healthy and what that approach is and then we'll we'll move into how that is now influencing what you're doing with CPG brands like good catch foods yeah, yeah. so so wicked healthy had evolved from that time of being this sort of community sort of resource to and a hobby to this is what we're going to do and we're going to build this to be you know books and you know videos and maybe a show one day and you know uh, we're going to launch a bunch of products and all under wicked healthy and so that was a goal is is to really work with manufacturers, restaurateurs, and others in the food space to give them that plant-based inspiration and education they need to kind of take their products to the next level and offer something that is flavor forward, you know, in the plant-based space. Um, you know, um, so that, uh, you know, um, where was I? So when, when a friend of ours came up, Chris Kerr, who, you know, he, we had talked about, um, he had joined New Crop Capital and Good Food Institute, right? And we had talked about, and this is a very aligned with um, something that you know our focus was around. Wicked Healthy is is high impact projects, and this is this kind of explains my my journey with culinary. Also, is started with teaching classes, then I you know started working with restaurants, and um, and I wanted to just get more people to try food, try plants, try plant-based food of how delicious it could be. And I wanted to reach more people. So when that opportunity came up with Whole Foods, it was an opportunity to 
to share with a larger audience. Right. So that was, you know, and to be in the background as much as I could. And so that was, that was, a. You know, there was a lot of passion there of joining the company and and having that platform. And then when kind of hit a threshold, then it was like, okay, Ruby is like, now it's an online platform to offer education and on a global platform also. And so it went to that direction. And so this has always been sort of a push behind Wicked Healthy is how can we engage in these high impact projects as much as possible that are going to affect as, you know, many people as possible and, you know, in return, um, you know, save as many animals as possible at the end of the day. And so a, a friend of ours, Chris Kerr, really dear friend, he, um, he had, uh, said, you know, he was doing some work in terms of collecting data of, uh, you know, just looking at really the white space and the growth of plant proteins. Um, this was three years ago. Um, and the biggest white space was the oceans. Um, and in terms of, you know, 90% of our, fish stocks are depleted you know it's said that scientists say that by 2048 we'll have complete collapse our oceans will collapse and fisheries will collapse you know and and so it's an area that that i am highly passionate about is the environmental approach to what i what we're doing and the impact of eating a plant-based diet has on on the environment and on obviously animals and um you know, aside from human health. Right. Um, and so when, when, uh, we started first talking about it, we, you know, he said, you know, I asked him, you know, what is the, what, what is sort of the species that is, needs to be really the focus and, and fin fish is, uh, is that, that species of, um, fin fish being tuna, salmon <clears throat> and so forth. So we set off on this project to, um, uh, to create a, a fish-free tuna product um, because it's a one of the largest commodity fished, you know, foods in the world, right? Um, um, and tuna fisheries, you know, factory fisheries are one of the most destructive in the world also, you know. We're addressing all of these factory farms on land, but nothing is being done um, to really shake up the fishing industry, you know. Um, and growing up in New England, there was this, there was a, kind of a fine line here because we grew up in New England. And so a lot of my, I don't keep in touch with anybody from high school really, but a lot of people from my childhood, like they inherited their grand grandpa's tuna fishing boat, you know, and like they'll go out with four or five guys for two weeks to catch two fish. You know, those aren't the people we're trying to put out mm-hmm. of business. You know, it's, we're trying to shake the industry up. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's the people that are dropping, you know, 90 mile long, drop lines and, um, you know, 30 mile wide purse nets that are picking up everything in its way just to catch some tuna, you know, for a profit. And, and it's just, uh, it's devastating when you start looking into that, you know, and, and, um, so at that time when Chris had mentioned this, we were also working with, uh, a company beyond brands, um, which they, which, you know, you know of, and they're incredible at, uh, at branding and, marketing and sales and all that stuff so you know it was a partnership between new crop capital and beyond brands and we were tasked with creating a product that was going to be you know you know very similar to a tuna product um so we started on it um three years ago and we're just about to launch in about two weeks which is super exciting um um, so we basically have created three shelf stable fish-free tuna products one of them's a naked in water another one's uh, oil and herbs and the other one's mediterranean and it's a shelf stable product which is amazing because 
you know, going back even, even five years, you know, mm -hmm. like traveling, like it sucks traveling sometimes because you don't have the, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm sick of eating nuts and biscotti cookies on planes and, <laughs> you know, it gets old fast, you know what I mean? Especially international flights. It's like, seriously, you don't have a vegan option. Just give me those salads on those three plates. Oh, sorry, we can't do that. Yeah. So um, it gets old real fast. And so being able to have a shelf stable protein, plant protein is, is exciting. You know, I mean, just throw it in your bag, throw it in your cupboard, you know, go camping with it, traveling with it. Um, that alone is really exciting. And so we're launching those products. We're launching with Thrive Market and Whole Foods Market in the next couple of weeks, which is, um, you know, we're so pumped about and food service soon after. So, um, so that's uh, our product line here in the States. So wow. that's, uh, <laughs> that's really exciting. I can have so many questions. Um, firstly, starting off with what you kind of described as, um, I think you explained why is it that you're doing, because mm -hmm. I did have another question about why you choose the projects you do and I, I think you answered that which is how can you take the skills and the experience that you have and find ways to make the most impact with it mm -hmm. and that is literally what's led you to this um, snowball effect of mm -hmm. taking on projects that are bigger and bigger in mm -hmm. scale and and I think that inevitable next step to that with your background was was to get involved in some sort of a food company that would mm -hmm. actually produce a product that could be sold in grocery stores mm -hmm. or Oh, e-commerce. Um, so I completely get that journey. Um, I love everything you said about the oceans. I've been saying this for a while. I mean, I put a lot of that into the book I wrote, Eat for the Planet, which was, it's it's easy to get, you know, myopically focused on what's happening on land because we maybe see it to the extent that we're allowed to see it. But, um, but the oceans kind of seem unharmed um you know we are here in la yeah. though the beach uh you know still kind of seems nice and the water seems blue um and there seems so much of the ocean out there and i think that's what we've kind of deluded ourselves into believing that uh there's 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 enough um sea out there and there's enough fish in the ocean and what, what you pointed out with the statistics as well <clears throat> is neither of those two things are true we're kind of destroying our oceans and there's um there's a finite amount of time until we can continue pulling out from um, this precious resource that we have uh, that can't replenish itself fast enough until we we are we reach a point of no return where, in many ways, the ocean is taking the biggest hit right now with climate change, mm -hmm. indirect effects of factory farming, direct effects from overfishing and plastic pollution, the and the, the reasons to not eat seafood or at least significantly cut down. Uh, consumption of seafood are are plenty uh, from a planetary standpoint as well as from a health standpoint. Well, if the government is going to issue pregnant women not to eat a food from mm -hmm. the ocean, there's something wrong. Do you know what I mean? Why aren't yeah. we all looking at that? I mean, because the mercury is so concentrated in these large fish, like it's a it's kind of a, a known it's 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 just a it's just a mainstream yeah. known fact now of mercury and microplastics. You mentioned mm -hmm. it is just is now starting to become more aware. People are, you know, and you know, we needed to have something that was a little bit more of a not an alternative, but um, an, a, a part of the solution. Yeah, you know? no, so. undoubtedly, and I think um, even the sad part is that we see all the stats about Americans cutting down on meat consumption. Mm -hmm. And we see the stats of Meatless Monday gaining in popularity, but the but something that often doesn't get talked about is people who shift away from from red meat, say, 
start eating more they're fish. Eating more fish, exactly. <laughs> so you know, while it and they think they're doing the healthier option or the most sustainable option, and and it isn't necessarily true. And okay, by no means am I saying everyone needs to take a leap and become a vegan tomorrow, but uh, it's important for us to be informed. And and the only way we can help people make the right decisions if the products exist out there. Yeah. So of course, you know, I love the stuff that Chris has been doing and the way he thinks about this. Um, and I know when I first heard about uh, Good Catch, uh, was that one of the expo, uh, the National Foods Expos, um, I think it was David Benzikin who dragged mm-hmm. me to your mm-hmm. booth. Uh, to, uh, David Benzikin, who's a, who runs Ocean Hugger Foods, uh, he was on the podcast as well before. And, you know, as a consumer, because I can think of this as someone who works in this industry now, I guess. Uh, but as a consumer of, you know, looking for food, new food products that can help me eat healthier, eat mm-hmm. in more convenient ways. Um, I had been personally looking for a seafood solution, not that I matter in the larger scheme of things, <laughs> but I'm just saying this for the reason for people who haven't tried it mm-hmm. um, and are curious about Good Catch Foods. I was blown away mm-hmm. uh, by the taste, by the ingredient label. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I'm, I'm, and I call people out when I see problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like I'm always pandering to people mm-hmm. because uh, they're vegan or their food products are vegan. There are a lot of products out there that have significantly problematic ingredients in them. Um, And I love the fact that it had this culinary chef-inspired focus, uh, which I think the plant-based food world needs because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of this misconception that it's just processed crap Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of looks and tastes like Processed crap or tasteless hippie food, right? Or (laughs) tasteless hippie (laughs) food. Um, And and this one's neither. So um, so for someone who doesn't, you know, I, and I didn't even think about the travel thing. I, I've I've struggled. I've traveled to all parts of the world, uh, eating this way, and and struggled and, and carrying small packets of almond butter with me, yeah, exactly. hoping I could find exactly. some bread. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, just sitting and and sucking on that little packet of <laughs> almond butter like a freak. Um, but you know, that's the reality of being. Uh, well, it used to be the reality, and that mm-hmm. needs to change. Yeah. Um, and it's just you know, I think it's so. What I'm trying to say is that I I think the food it. Based on what I've tasted so far, uh, it's great. I'm excited that you guys are launching soon. How important was it for you as um, someone with the kind of culinary background that you have to be, how important and how involved were you through the entire manufacturing process? Because I can't imagine that's something easy to come up with a product like this uh, within the time frame that you guys did it. Yeah, so we, um, you know, I would say we got we got the idea seeded, um, and then we we, um, you know, the the key we looked at the characteristics of of tuna. Why people love tuna is one, it's a it's looked at as a cleaner protein. It's you know low in sodium, low in fat, um, high in protein, um, you know, high in omegas. Um, it's also the texture people like as well. One of the things that are off-putting to a lot of folks is the smell. Um, so we wanted to address that also. Because uh, when you think of fish-free tuna, you immediately think of the smell. A lot mm-hmm. of people do because uh, it's not pleasant at all. Um, and so people that don't per- don't like tuna, people that are you know vegan, have never had fish, enjoy the products because they, you know, we... We, we kept the label very clean. Of It's a six legume blend, um, and uh, it's an extruded product, um, you know, so it is a processed product, but we, we, we use legumes and seaweeds, really, and algae. So, and nutritionally, it's, you know, almost identical to uh, its canned counterparts, you know, in terms of, uh, 
you know, uh, tuna on a shelf. So in terms of protein, sodium levels, fat levels, and omega balance. So, um, so we've kept that in mind, the nutritional, the nutrition panel as we've developed it with the te texture being a big piece of it. So we focused on texture for the first year plus, and then we got into taste and, um, I've been with the product every step of the way of development. Um, we came, we were so fortunate to bring on, we got it to a certain place, but it's, a, you know, this type of processing is very foreign to me. And I had to, you know, it was kind of a lot of learning along the way, um, um, to say the least, but we, we are so fortunate to have one of the best in the, in the world around high moisture extrusion. His name is Joel Gefeller. He's, uh, he developed all the Gardein products, um, pretty much. And, so he's come on board and he's taken the product from being really great to uh, exceptional um um and uh and and really helped us you know maximize the proteins that we're ha adding to it with the different beans and you know that was important for us of not to have a just a soy product or a pea product and for it to be gluten-free and non-gmo those are really important pieces and you know to to get that thin layering of protein it's I think a lot of that is due to the combination of legumes that we're using. So we're using navy bean and fava bean and, you know, lentil, um, along with pea and soy and, uh, chickpea. So, um, so it's a, it's a unique product because it is six legume blend. It's not just one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and it's, uh, you know, we're not using any natural flavors. It's all seaweed, seaweed and algaes and algae oils. So, and that was really important for us to keep it clean. So it's great. And you said it's um, going to be available in a few weeks in uh, Thrive Market and Whole Foods, so Whole Foods everywhere? Yeah, so we're going Whole Foods National and Thrive Market. Thrive Market will, will hit in a couple of weeks, and Whole Foods will be very soon after, So and it'll be national, so which is very exciting. So, right. um, And so those are the first steps, and then we'll be <clears throat> expanding to other retailers. And um, So at that time, just to kind of backstep a little bit, mm -hmm. at that time that we were starting to develop Good Catch is when Derek... Got, uh, jumped over to the UK and started launching our product line, Wicked Kitchen. So, mm -hmm. as he talks about in his podcast, and um, so which is an exclusive food line that we launched with Tesco, which is incredibly exciting. And so, right now, we're manufacturing in the UK uh, for our product until our plant is open for um, Good Catch in Ohio. We're going to be opening up our plant um, in the summer, uh, where all of our line extensions will come from. Um, based on that plant and production capacity. So we'll have some line extensions with uh, other shelf-stable products, but also a frozen line of crab cakes, fish burgers, Thai, thai sliders, and things like that. Um, and that's the first um, sort of uh, first line that we're launching, and then there's a lot of extensions that are planned after that. Um, and then with our UK production facility, we'll be providing product for the wicked kitchen line um in tesco which is very exciting and also um looking at you know showcasing it in tesco so um so that's that's the plan we'll see where oh. it goes but that's that's the plan when our production facility is actually up and running in the summer so exciting so there's cross-pollination between yeah, your yeah, projects very, which very is, much so uh and so you're so you're still involved with uh wicked kitchen as well even though it's uh, yeah 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 and in, yeah, Derek has has that main focus of Wicked mm -hmm. Kitchen. He's an employee of Tesco also um, as the head of plant-based innovation. Um, and so we're there to support each other, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of ideation. And, um, you know, um, so I, I support him from afar as much as I can, and he supports with Good Catch. So he's mostly focused on Wicked Kitchen. I'm mostly focused on Good right. Catch. And, and then we have our um, sort of umbrella company of Wicked Healthy and all the projects that fall under there. Mm -hmm. So. 
Exciting. So let's stick with good catch for the moment. I do want to know what else is, is going to happen next with Wicked uh, Healthy overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek alluded to some new plans. and maybe <laughs> A little some, early. But... <laughs> probably a little too early. But uh, uh, wh- what's next for, for Good Catch Foods? Of course, the big launch is, is crucial. It's been a long time coming, yeah, yeah. at least from my perspective. Yeah. Um, how do you see this? Uh, I'm sure this is because you've been showcasing the product for a couple of years now. Um, I'm sure you're getting a lot of interest from from mm-hmm. other buyers and and retailers. Where do you see this? Uh, say a year or two down the line, what's your what's your, what's the plan with Good Catch Foods? So it's certainly a global play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, tuna is not just popular in North America. It's a uh, it's a commodity protein that's you know pretty worldwide um, consumed. Um, we have some strategic investors um, right now currently that we're, um, and I say that with. Uh, you know, um, PHW, which is one of the largest, um, um, mm-hmm. poultry processing companies in Europe is one of our investors. And it's interesting. We talk about where things have come in five years and it is, it's mind boggling to me that, um, and it's, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and I know certain vegans oppose this, but it's, uh, I think that it's, it is so incredibly exciting to have, some of the largest animal ag companies in the world investing in plant-based protein and diversifying their protein selection um, because they can see that it's one, the future of food one, and it's uh, they need to diversify their protein because with this growing world population, you cannot sustain it by feeding animals, um, feeding them animals. So, um, so they're, they're smart. You know, I think that there's, you know, there's some very intelligent folks behind these very large animal ag companies. And so, you know, maybe leave purchasing, you know, um, Field Roast and Light Life and PHW being one of our investors and, you know, Hormel, you know, doing that work in North America also in that direction and Tyson investing in Beyond Meat. I mean, across the board, there's major interest. And so, so we, from a, the global play standpoint with Good Catch, we see it as far beyond North America. I mean, we'll be launching probably in, in, you know, Europe and we'll be launched in across North America nationally, um, um, and in Europe within 18 months, and then it'll spread from there. Um, we have some some high hopes in terms of some global plays around the product. So, um, you know, even if it's used as an ingredient also mm-hmm. with manufacturers is really important. Whatever is going to impact our um, oceans in a positive way, I think that we're game. Um, yeah. And what's, what's really great is, you know, the investors behind Good Catch are, um, aside from our strategics, uh, our mission driven and they're they're in it for the long haul so they see they see the global play they see the global impact um and that's exciting for us so to see that yeah it's such a, um i mean such a cool um little white space you found because um i mean i'm looking at scott who's your head of marketing sitting right here uh what an exciting job i mean to be able to go out there and tell this story that's so important at the time that we really need it mm-hmm. um you know, I think the next five, ten years are going to be the years that are going to define if we we mm-hmm. we have a healthy ocean in twenty fifty or we we're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and it's it's this work that you know, <laughs> and many other people doing similar work in different aspects of the food industry that's going to build a better future. So to be able to be at the forefront right now with a innovative new product that is that has got the kind of strategic investment that you already have, knowing that you have that kind of support and distribution and marketing capabilities at your disposal, hopefully with more more funds raised down the line. Um, 
the impact that you can have is just you know as long as people love the yeah. product yeah. the impact you can have is is monumental just in terms of um of shifting this this demand for for seafood away into uh plant based proteins and I, and you're so right i think what's happening right now with um poultry producers meat processors um and others getting into or uh, eyeing investments or acquisitions in the space is the only way this is going to succeed yeah. You need and, to change only is going to ripple from within. Yeah, know, and so. it's and then they see the writing on the wall, and I and I you know I say this often when I'm I'm giving talks about the book uh, is that they see that their industries are unsustainable, not necessarily from uh, because they care about the environment, but because they're financially mm -hmm. unsustainable. Because the the reality is we're going to run out of land, we're going to run out of, run out of mm -hmm. fresh water, and mm -hmm. we're going to the oceans are going to run out of wild fish. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they don't start preparing for that now, it's a, they stand to lose um, their market cap that they have right now. And, mm -hmm. and they're not stupid people, as mm -hmm. you said, right? They look forward to the future. They have plans. They've got, you know, they hire consultants and pay mm -hmm. them uh, <laughs> way more money than probably consultants should be paid. And I say that as a former consultant, <laughs> uh, a management consultant myself. Um and so they're looking at the, you know, the outlook of their industries, and they know that if they don't get into this now, um, someone else is going to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's inevitable. The fact that it's happened all so quickly in the last mm -hmm. few years is what um, delights and shocks me at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're seeing the same. I mean, you, no one could have predicted any of this. No one. You know, it's, um, it's incredibly exciting of seeing it from soy milk and rice milk were really the only vegan options in the center of the store. Um 20 years ago to where it is now it's it's important it's it's important it's an important time you know yeah and it's this it's the way that the you know, i find it funny especially and the reason i went into your backstory is it's important that it, it's it's such an amazing coincidence or planning or just the way the universe works is that you and derek's culinary background and experience and and passion for food has sort of intersected with this world at this time. Mm -hmm. And when I say this world, it's it's the food industry and, and the kind of work that Chris is doing mm -hmm. with New Crop Capital to combine and join forces to uh, to solve a problem that really needs solving. So it's just amazing how these things kind of pan out, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think it's it's the it's you know leading with compassion is is what's driven us to these impact projects, and you have to lead with compassion, and you got to stay true true to what you believe in and. If you're about, you know, like what we're all about at the end of the day is is having an impact with whatever we're doing um, and, you know, just giving people good food, just delicious food at the end of the day. Call it vegan, call it plant-based, call it, you know, processed, call it whole food, call it whatever, whatever someone wants to label it as. At the end of the day, it's just damn good food. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that we're going to get people to listen yeah. is to offer them food that they can enjoy and not miss anything, mm -hmm. you know, so... So that's an that's an important thing for us, and and to always keep true to what we believe in. So. Yeah. So what is um, now that it seems like Good Catch is <laughs> ramping up for launch? Obviously, it's taking up more of your time now. What's a typical day for you? Uh, it seems like you've you've got a bunch of different projects you're juggling. Um, you know, and the reason I ask that is because we have a lot of people listening to the show who who perhaps are interested in a career in the culinary world or thinking of starting their own food company. I know I get a lot of emails from kids in college who are mm -hmm. like, I think I want to do this for a living. Um, I want to be part of this this new wave of companies that are fixing our food system. Um, 
what does your day look like now given you've got these it's everywhere it's all <laughs> over the place it's not there's not one day that's 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 a like um we, well right right now we're in like the middle of launch with mm-hmm. good catch so <clears throat> yesterday we just did a tasting like yesterday for example or this trip i'm in la for a couple of days is you know did a tasting for veggie grill to get some products hopefully on their menu then did a tasting for whole foods to get our products on their menus for the food service um you know we're here doing this we uh did some thrive videos this morning to launch with them um on their platform in a, in a week um you know next week it's it's a lot of just every week we're traveling every <laughs> week we're, it's you know bless my family um i have a an amazing family and you know i couldn't do this without my wife's support and my kids and mm-hmm. but that keeps me going you know i mean i think we all are driven you know with, with different um you know with different motivations and to be able to offer something a better planet for my children is what pushes me you know mm-hmm. so um so but i'm traveling a ton um so every day is a little bit different we uh, we you know support derek when i can with wicked kitchen launching uh good catch has been um a lot of time certainly um we're ramping up on the marketing side of things and you know collateral when it comes to video assets and things like that to offer to the consumers and food service operators that need mm-hmm. the support to use the product and um we're also going to be you know launching some classes derek alluded to around wicked healthy um <clears throat> talking about uh, book two also and some other book projects that we're working on um to get some consultancies working um, we've expanded our tam our team it's uh it's beyond just Derek and I and mm-hmm. our focus. I mean, my, my, I'm laser focused on good cat. She's laser focused on wicked kitchen. Um, but it's ironic because wicked healthy is growing extremely quickly, um, in different areas from apparel to an apparel line to, um, online classes to consultancy with manufacturers and restaurants. Um, it's growing. So there's, there's a good dozen projects currently yeah. in the works Wow, <laughs> that, you know, you know, Right now, today <laughs> is Good Catch is launching in two weeks, which is really exciting. <laughs> That's your, your focus and, on the um, moment. Yeah. What's amazing is last, a couple weeks ago, the day one of Good Catch production, it was our first production one, run, was also the one-year anniversary of Wicked Kitchen launching. And we sold, in uh, in 12 months to the day, we sold 6.1 million meals uh, <sighs> with Tesco, Wicked Kitchen meals. And that's 6.1 million meals that, did not include animal products mm-hmm. and that, that's amazing like that gives me chills knowing yeah, that, that. and it was the same day the same day that we that we were producing good catch on the floor <laughs> it's amazing like it's so talk about yeah talk about alignment you know uh-huh. what i mean we, that wasn't planned yeah yeah <laughs> um production day has gotten pushed four times in the past year with good catch and yeah, it happened to land on <laughs> the first day of one of the most monumental times for wicked kitchen and for our company so yeah i truly i mean i i i always find towards the end of these conversations it starts veering into me starting to get a little spiritual uh-huh. <laughs> and, and kind of finding some bigger path or reason yeah. for these things but you know the common thread I often find with most most people I have on this podcast, um, whether I've met them before or not. Um, in your case, I guess I do know you and and Derek, and I've been we've talked, and I know Chris, and and I know how what drives you guys. Um, but the common thread I often find is is kind of what you said is that you know what your purpose and your mission is. I also find mm-hmm. interesting that in your case, it's very clear that you are sticking to what you're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're a chef, you like you're an educator, and and you can use your restaurant experience and your kitchen experience to advise other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. And whether it is via Good Catch Foods or uh, Wicked Healthy or any other projects that you've taken on, you've you've not you know what your role is in that bigger project. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important lesson for for anyone getting started or you know thinking about their future in in this space or in generally their future in any career is that um it's sometimes tempting i'm sure you've maybe felt that temptation to be like you know maybe i want to be uh, um ceo of a company mm-hmm. now and i'm going to start doing that and acquire these other skills and maybe you will in the future um but it's so much more powerful to have the vision and the focus that you have which is I know what I'm good at. I know what my vision and my mission is. Um, I'm just going to attach myself and work with other smart people to make that vision more impactful um, using their resources, whether it was Whole Foods or Ruby. Now it's you know Tesco and and through Good Catch and who knows what else comes next for you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think if people are you know keeping that focus of what they're good at is important, and surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with people that are smarter than you, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think that that's that's uh, you know, um, that's important for us. Yeah. Do you um, you know, if you had to um, give someone who's just sort of starting out where you were maybe you know twenty years ago, um, you know, you, there's no way you could have imagined you'd be at this point. I'm assuming. Uh, or unless you had some big master plan <laughs> that we don't know of, what advice would you give someone who's kind of at your stage, say, you know, twenty years back, kind of getting started in the food space? Um, yeah, what, what would you tell someone who's kind of looking ahead and going, I don't know, maybe I want to start a restaurant, maybe I want to start a food company? I think it goes back to sort of the ethos of Wicked Healthy and what drives us is <clears throat> is sticking with your passion and leading with compassion and being humble and doing so. I think that that's really important. You know, um, we have all these projects, but we, you know, the nice thing about having being in business with my brother is we're constantly keeping each other in check, you know, is, and that's, that's, that's valuable. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, tend to think that we're not driven by ego. You know, I mean, everybody has a level of it. Right. Um, and the, you know, especially if you're, you know, doing good things and making an impact, but it's, uh, it's, it's important to keep in check. It's important to keep on the path and keep laser focused and, and don't stop until you reach your goals. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, you know, I have screwed up so many times with every project I have worked on. I mean, I gave up, I almost gave up with good catch many times and we just kept on pushing, you know, and it's, uh, it's important to just stay focused and, you know, stick with what you believe in and be stubborn and know what you're, know what you're good at, you know? Um, and, uh, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. I think that that's important because there's so many naysayers out there of like, oh, you can't do that. No, maybe you shouldn't do that. That's bullshit. You know I mean? Get focused, you know, do what you love and, and, uh, do it well, you know, and, uh, nobody can get in that way, you know? Yeah, and and that's I love that advice because I think, say even ten years ago, um, people saying that you know maybe we'll make a plant based burger yeah. and you know what yeah. it's going to be sold at Carl Junior yeah. Carl's yeah. Junior yeah. and maybe in uh, yeah. TGIF people would have said you're crazy go find completely. yourself a job completely um, well people did tell me that for many years you know i was uh you know shut up heavy you know like that's what you know 
oh, we can't eat like you. Um, you know, there's no way that we can adopt your lifestyle. And, mm. it, you know, it's. And most people, when I've told them about like plant-based seafood, um, I get in the, yeah. maybe in the last year or so, similar reactions. So I'm like, who the hell is going to eat that except some uh, vegans? That's exactly what they said for all the other products that has ever come about. But if you look at, Nil, if you look at just the consumer, the consumer is, we're not targeting vegans. Vegans are going to find our product. You know, if you were to follow a vegan lifestyle, you're going to find our product because it's, it's the hype's out there. Everybody's on social media. They'll wear know. the t-shirt and the hat and, 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 <laughs> and yell on social media that's as it, well. That's it. Right? And those are the, those are, you know, they're the early, early adopters that are the loudest, which is where I'm, it's our community where I'm psyched about it, but that's not our target audience. Our audience is the, that flexitarian, that person who wants to diversify their protein consumption and that, that is shopping in, in the center aisle. And that's not going to that vegan section. If you look at the consumer in general, what one to under 5%, depending on the store you're at, um, is a vegan shopper, right? I'd say 2% or something, some low number, right? And so they're going, they're the only ones that are going to that meat alternative frozen section, you know what I mean? But as soon as, and Beyond Meat has done an incredible, incredible job by, with merchandising. And I think that they've schooled a lot of retailers in doing so, is that they've really demanded and pushed along with their investors to sell their product in the meat department. And, um, and they, by doing so their sales went tenfold, you know, and their interest went tenfold because you have that person, you know, that wants to just consciously eat less meat. There's all this buzz around them, you know, um, from the media to social media, to, um, <clears throat> culinary innovation, to, uh, healthcare, all of it. There's all this buzz around eating less meat. And so you get that shopper that is in that meat section and they're going to see an alternative right there. And they're going to be like, huh. I'm going to get this because I, I like to choose, you know, a different protein once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. That's the shopper and that's the consumer that we want. You know what I mean? And and so we're at a very fortunate place right now with Good Catch is, is that there's not a question of where it's going to live. You know, it's living where the tuna's sold, you know, and uh, and it'll be right there front and center. And our packaging and branding certainly stands out. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um so it'll have a presence and it'll have a presence um, big and it'll be front and center of so that people can make that choice, you know, and and the nice thing about, you know, the products these days with plant based, the whole plant based protein space is is and I go back to Beyond Meat and also, you know, Field Roast and, you know, Light Life just launched this amazing burger and, mm -hmm. you know, um, Gardein and there's all these companies that that are that are doing really good work and creating a really good product and and uh and the, the standards set really high, you know what I mean? And so being able to, um, you know, have that one-to-one -one swap out is really important for the consumer. And that was really important for us in Lunging Good Catch is we want it to be a one-to-one -one swap out nutritionally and from a culinary standpoint and applications is use this, use Good Catch products in any recipe that calls for tuna. You know, it works similarly. You can put it in a simmer sauce. You can, you know, use it in cold applications. You can do the most incredible tuna melts that we had for <laughs> breakfast over at Thrive. Um, you know, I mean, just uh, the understanding that it's, you can do a swap out and you don't have to think about how do I cook this? How do I prepare this? You know, and there's no scratching of your head, you know. Um, and so that's where we're, we're in a very fortunate place right now as, uh, within the space of accessibility with plant proteins that the standards are so high with these products and companies such as you know, the ones I mentioned have set that bar really high to where it is a one-to-one -one swap out. You don't cook them any differently than you were to cook 
ground hamburger or tuna or, you know, and that's, that's really exciting, you know, mm-hmm. opposed to even, you know, 10 years ago, it was Boca burger. Everything looked like hockey pucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It didn't look like a hand pressed burger. It was yeah. like, oh yeah, you got the veggie burger. Didn't you look at it? Cause I can see it clearly. Cause it's got little sharp sides. It looks like a hockey puck, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, it's, those days have changed. Yeah, the salt so. we're in a whole new world right now. And, um, you know, you kind of alluded to this earlier about your, your kids, you know, and what drives you is um, is leaving a planet that's, that's you know, you think about them when you're thinking about the future. Um, and the reason I bring that up is what I, do, I, I, bring, I talk to people, when I talk to people about why they should reconsider what's on their plate, um, I, it, some people just don't want to hear the environmental argument or the animal one or even health. And, and in, and in that case, the, the most, the thing that resonates with everyone is, is think about the future and let's look at this from a really common sense, um, perspective. What, what kind of world will you have mm-hmm. if you continue, if we continue doing the things that we're doing, uh, and we don't change. And often the question really comes up is when your kids and your grandkids find out that we had the short window of time to, to course correct, to bring about some sort of change we stood by and did nothing um would you want to be that person having that conversation with your kid or your grandkid definitely in your case that's not you won't be having that conversation because you're actively working on solving the problems that we have as a food system today but um the reason i bring that up is because i um i close out with this question all the time for all my guests is that if you succeed with the work that you're doing um whether it's through good catch um wicked kitchen wicked healthy and any other projects that you probably have lined up, which are undoubtedly going to be around food and this space. If you succeed, if the other companies that you mentioned earlier and investors and and, and thinkers and change makers out there succeed in bringing about the change that we need to see in our food system, uh, what's your sort of perfect vision for uh, the food system in the year 2050? If we all get it right and we bring about the shift that needs to happen in, in the world. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I mean, I, I, I had mentioned my kids. I have a 13 year old and I have a two year old right now. And I try to educate them as much as possible around the connection between food and health and the connection between how food is grown and produced. And, and, you know, telling them the truth about our food system is I've never said, don't eat anything, you know, uh, you know, I've just said, you know, you know what, that, that is this, you know, I mean, we're lied to the majority of our life around what food is. I just want, I want my children to be educated enough to be, you know, um, making the right decisions to continue on this path of, of making change, you know, as much as they possibly can. Um, but where our food system will be and kind of my, my goal is, um, that's a loaded question. I just think that, uh, you know, there's no more, you know, differentiation between vegan, vegetarian, this, that it's food at the end of the day. And it's plenty of it. And people aren't looking at it as a special diet. It's just what it is. You know, um, people are not going to stop consuming animal products. That's not going to happen. And I'm, I think we're all clear with that. Mm -hmm. And do I want to turn this, this world vegan? That'd be cool. You know, that'd be pretty amazing, but it's not going to happen. But do I want to be able to do my best to 
preserve the beauty of our oceans and these species that are, you know, that are leaving us fast in this world, you know, so that my children's children can see them. That's where I see it. You know, I want to be able to have the impact the best that I can to, um, to, you know, preserve the beauty of this planet, you know, so my kids, kids can see it, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah. And I think, you know, the work that's being done by, by you and your brother and the folks that you have at Good Catch and, and all the companies that you're involved in at the moment is is hopefully going to get us to that point. So I I would just say keep at it because without people like you, we we don't really have any hope. So uh, thank you, Chad, for being on today. This I has appreciate been, you now. Thanks yeah, for having me, man. This has been this has been a pleasure, and I look forward to having you back. And maybe in a couple of years, we'll talk about how um, you know Good Catch um, revolutionized the the fishing industry yeah, and, and yeah. changed. Seafood as you know it. And um, and I hope I can say that story and be the one sharing it with the world. Thank Exciting. you. Thank you so much, Patrick. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.